guy. Father, we thank you. We love you. We bless you. Magnify. There's none like you, Lord. We're so thankful. So thankful. So thankful. You've given us everything, Lord. You gave us your very life. And the least we can do is give our lives in obedience to you in exchange. There's no way we can pay you back for what you've done for us. But but just obey you like your word says. Is, is you love me, you'll obey my commandments. And we thank you, Father, so much. You even give us the ability to do it. So thankful. So thankful. We just bless you. In Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen. What can you say but bless you? Amen. Thank you, Lord. I just want to mention our special for the month of December, Wisdom Meditations for Every Season. This is a new one for winter. Amen. So winter one. Sleigh bells ring. Are you listening? Well, whatever. Um, Y'all want to hear me see winter one? I'm scared of y'all. That's gonna make me do it even more. That's a that's a truth or dare, right? Right. Okay. All right. I'll put it away and uh, put away my weapon, my voice, my weapon, and uh, remind you of our broadcast. How many of you are being listening? Amen. The rest of you repent and turn your radio on. Turn that dumb stuff off. Amen. Uh, so this is our strong faith broadcast. Amen. If y'all don't like me, it's people all the way over, and I don't know where liking me. That's right. So anyway, uh, it's KDAY Live, Mondays at 9 a.m., Wednesdays 9 p.m., and uh, makes it so you can get it twice. And uh, I think Shannon sends a, a, a message. Yeah, she sends a reminder, so there's no excuse. And we have posters everywhere. So Monday morning, Wednesday evening. Uh, we're, and some of you who weren't with us back in the day, you'll get a lot out of this. This is God's way of helping you to, to get current and, and stay, uh, get the teaching that, that was foundational for us. You know, I mean, we always teach the Word of God, but some of these, uh, revelations and meetings and, you know, as one meeting, some lady got healed right then and there. We were, you know, she just ended, got interrupted the, the meeting and had me pray for her so there's an anointing to heal on there you know an anointing to for you to get better amen whatever it is that you got it can be better so praise god it's a good thing so all right so we're going to continue talking about intercession and talking about what the watchman sees what the watchman does and the call to intercession so we talked about that uh last week and that this is a silent call and a call in the invisible realm. Everything God does is done through the realm of the spirit. And so he calls intercessors in an invisible way. And one of the the prompts that God uses, uh, we found in Isaiah uh, 68, I'm sorry, in Isaiah 6, verse, chapter 6, verse 8. Where God says, uh, who shall go? Who shall I send and who will go for us? So when he, that call is a call to intercession because there is a need in the earth. God sees the need. So he has to recruit somebody to go on his behalf, speak for him 
whether it's to people as prophets did when they would uh, make announcements, they would give warnings, uh, they would uh, uh, tell people what was coming, what God's doing, what they need to do to prepare for God to come uh, and do what he's going to do. And so God always has needed a messenger, a mouthpiece, somebody to go and speak for him uh, in in. This day and age, it's done in the realm of the spirit as well. In fact, in the realm of the spirit, probably a little more frequently by many people than in the natural. Uh, Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. And that means that everybody is expected to pray because he said, when you pray, you pray this way. And it looked like God expects you to pray every day. You're to address him every day. You talk to him every day. You're to have daily contact with God. And the things that that you can uh, rest assured that God will provide for you if you'll ask him for them every day. And so one of the things that that, um, uh, was listed there was our provision, daily bread. Uh, Healing is our bread. Uh, We get that as well. Every day we're to have an allotment of his word that heals us, uh, his word that brings provision to us, uh, his word that that, uh, opens doors for us, uh, doors that will enlighten us and doors that will provide for us um, to guidance away from temptation, away from trouble, away from sin and degradation. All of those things God wants us not to get involved in, we're to ask for that on a daily basis. And if you ask for that on a daily basis, he'll give it to you. You know, people mess up when they forget to ask God, hey, God, I don't want to sin no more. I don't want to do what I used to do. Can you help me, please? Amen. Everybody has to do that. There's nobody who who can walk this walk without God's guidance, protection, and leadership. And and he'll protect us from harm because many times the the things, situations we get involved in can wind up being very harmful to us if we don't have God's protection to, to avoid these things. So he wants us to live a, a carefree life. He wants us to live a, a pure life and a life devoted to him. And and that is very, very important for the intercessor. You can't be somebody who dabbles in sin and say you praying for God too. It's now that that don't go together. You got me? And gossiping about people, nosy about people on the phone all the time, doing crazy stuff, you know, that that's not for this this is for holy people. People gonna live right before God. Why? Because he has to trust you with his word. Can't trust you with his word if if you're not in his kingdom. And so these are the things that we gotta understand. God is not playing around with us, folks. When he when he calls you to intercede, that's a holy work. That's a work he wants kept pure, and that's a word he wants to be successful. So if he wanted heathen to pray, he wouldn't knock on our door. You got me? The reason he saved us and set us apart is so that we can work for him. And the first order of business is prayer. Amen. It is intercession. It is standing in the gap for the needs of other people. Uh, you you are on God's side when you pray. Amen. You're not standing in the midst of trouble and and uh, and and 
you know, people live in all kinds of ways. You're standing in the holy place when you pray and when you intercede, when you work for God. You just can't do it both ways. And so make up your mind what you're going to do. You got me and, and go do it. But but God wants us to be devoted to him. We're his bride. We can't dabble around with the world. Amen. He He don't play that. And so you disqualify yourself. He's not, you know, he's not done with you by any stretch of the imagination. But you got to make up your mind what you're going to do. And and once you become committed to God, stay committed to God. It'll be the best thing you ever did in your life is to stay, because then you can expect Him to come through for you. You won't be nervous and guessing and you know looking at people and all this kind of stuff. You'll have a foundation in God. That cannot be shaken. So the little bit of of stuff you give up is 100% worth it. You're not giving up anything. You're supposed to be living for God anyway. Amen. So I gave up sin a long time ago. If I sin, I don't do it willfully. Amen. And I don't do it repeatedly. And this is what he expects out of his people, out of his, especially out of intercessors. Because he wants to open up his heart to you. And entrust you with what he wants to do. He wants to tell you his plan on the earth. He wants to tell you what he has planned for other people, other situations. All of that, you know, he's not going to tell you that kind of stuff if you're not devoted to him. So if there's one thing I can impress upon you, being devoted to God is 100% worth it. Pays big dividends, amen, big dividends. And so intercessors never lack anything. They always have answers ready for them. Uh, They really live a grace-filled life. Know what that means? It means that you have grace to accomplish everything that needs to be accomplished in your life. You're not left out of anything. You, You always have first choice. You always have what's first. Uh, and I'll show you that in Deuteronomy chapter 28, God showed me many years ago. He said, this is for intercessors specifically. He said, other believers get the benefit of this as they obey me. He said, but this, this is where I position the people that pray for me. And these are the privileges that you have as one who uh, does a certain level of work for me. So in Deuteronomy 28, in verse 13, it says here, And the Lord shall make you the head and not the tail. Amen. He'll make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only, and you shall not be beneath. In other words, you're not begging for anything, laughing. You call the shots in your life. Amen. Being the head means that you call the shots. You don't wait for somebody to give you something or you're not begging for anything or looking for your portion. You you call the shots in your life. Amen. So he says, I will make you the head only and not the tail above only. And not beneath. If you will hearken to my commandments of the Lord this day, which I command you, and observe and do them. Says all you gotta do is do what I tell you to do. And if you love me, you obey me. Amen. 
And he says, and you shall not go aside from any of the words which I command you this day to the right hand or to the left to go after other gods and serve them. So when he says other gods, he means serving yourself. Amen. Doing what you want to do. He said, no, you're not to do that. You stay committed to me and I'll show you what I can do for somebody who's really committed to me. Amen. You'll never lack for anything. You know, you always have abundance in all things. And if God sees you running low, he'll send you money out of places you never knew you'd get money from. Never thought you'd get money from certain places or, you know, things of that nature. Um, new, new areas of income will spring up to you. Things like that. And so when, whenever you serve God this way, um, he has abundance for you. He has a privileged position for you. Amen. Uh, it's a position of honor. And so when you understand what God wants out of you, then you understand that he has to equip you to do the work that you're called to do. And that equipment flows over into your personal life, too. So if he gives you authority over the works of the of darkness to call money into somebody else's life, guess what? He puts money in your life. He's not going to, he says, don't muzzle the ox who treads out the corn. If you're working for him and you see where God is blessing people, you think he's going to leave you out? You know, people say crazy stuff like, I can pray for everybody else to get something, but, but I can't get it for myself. I say, I don't know why. The word works. And the, the word coming out of your mouth is a double-edged sword. It should be blessing. The only reason it's not blessing you is that you ain't got in some religion somewhere and you think you're supposed to do all the work and not get anything. That's something the devil put in your head. You know, God told me one time, he said, the storehouse door is open. I don't know why you don't go shopping. Huh? He said, it's always open to you. Why? Because the throne room is always open to those who are interceding. Amen to his faithful people. So in Ephesians 1.20, this is where you um, uh, understand your positioning in Christ. We are in Christ. You're not trying to get in heaven and bombard heaven and kick down the door and get somewhere where you're not allowed to be or where you're not supposed to be. Ephesians 1.20, it says here, He set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places that we are seated with him far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that's named, not only in this world, but also into in that world is all things under his gave him to be head over all things to the church which his is his body, the fullness of him that fills all and is in all. So he has put all things under his feet. We are in him, seated with him, and positioned with him far above all principality, power, might, dominion, name. I don't care what it is. You're seated with him far above these things. So if we're seated with him, why are most people living defeated lives? Because they don't, they don't understand. They don't read their Bibles, number one, and don't obey God enough to understand that this seating is something that he gained for us 
when he defeated the devil at Calvary. He put him under his feet, and we are his body, so he's under our feet too. As long as we stay in the spirit, we stay obedient to God, and we understand and, and, and appreciate spiritual truth and spiritual things. You know, many people just live natural. They're, you know, back in the day before you got saved, you went to church, you listened, and then you lived for the devil Monday through Friday. And it was no big deal because you didn't know the Lord. Now that you know the Lord, you got to get to know what belongs to you and what he expects out of you. So this is why we study. This is why we pray. This is why we read the word. This is why we meditate on the word and understand who we are. We are new creatures. All things are passed away, you know. For anybody who's born again, it should be hard for you to go back to your old ways. You know, it's like the Red Sea is closed up. If you, Unless you're a real good swimmer, you can't get back into that old life again. You got me? So there's no use in trying to go back there. It's not open to you anymore. And so God will do anything to preserve you and preserve your salvation. Amen? And so uh, if you're in that position, you need to repent and ask God to forgive you and help you not to keep doing wrong. You know, just stay, stay in Christ. Stay where there's life. Stay where there's goodness. Stay where there's mercy. There's no mercy for believers out in the world. You know, you just wonder about people. We were talking about that a minute ago, about all the people that have come through this ministry. And uh, we were saying they leave, and I said they don't go to church. They leave and go where? Where is there to go after you? The Bible says once you've tasted of the heavenly gift, come on now. It, it's just crazy to me. But, you know, people think they got something. They get deceived by the devil, listening to the devil too long. Listen to God for a change. Amen. God will put you under conviction so much it will make you live right. <laughs> Amen. You'd be scared to get stupid. I know I would. Who who gets stupid at my age? Come on now. Let's get real here. And young people too. Youth is no excuse for being crazy. Amen. You can smart up at any time. And he says here, God wants the eyes of our understanding to be enlightened, to know the hope of our calling. What is it that God puts you here on earth for? That's what he wants us to know. You know, we we prayed this prayer for years over people in this ministry, that everybody's eyes would be enlightened to know the hope of your calling. If you pay attention, God will show you what you're here for. And he says that you might know what is the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints. You have an inheritance in God. Amen. The devil give you nothing. What he pays, pays his workers you don't want. Amen. He, you don't want his paycheck, but we are positioned. If, if, if you are a believer and you live in faith and live in Christ, you are positioned just like the intercessor. But for the intercessor, this is mandatory. You know, there are a lot of believers that don't walk in authority over the devil. Amen. But this is your authority over the devil and you are seated. You're not jumping up and down trying to make the devil obey you and have scared of him. You are seated. That means that you have a throne that you share with Christ and you direct the devil. He don't direct you. Amen. You tell him what to do and you live far above him. 
he's not nipping at your heels where you you know that well you know i'm just trying to outrun the devil you know go sit down and take your real position you don't have to outrun him anything you know go sit down somewhere and be in christ and be satisfied with where christ has put you amen so it and it has given him to be head over all things the church is the head over all things amen and we are the fullness of him uh, the bride of christ is his fullness amen and he has given us the ministry of reconciliation and of intercession you reconcile people through interceding amen i don't know how many people we prayed for for marriages to get better for uh divorces to be canceled for marriages to come back together again this is our ministry reconciliation amen you know people kill me they oh boy you know you get mad at somebody one time and you're ready to go to divorce court amen that's not the escape route for the believer your escape is forgiveness amen that's where you escape to you escape to the land of i'm a i'm sorry give me another chance please forgive me and keep living amen God gave us that for a reason because these other things don't work. Amen. They never work. That divorce was never meant to be an answer. Amen. Moses gave them that so they wouldn't kill each other. Amen. Because they didn't have the new birth. You got the new birth. There's no excuse for you hating on people. Amen. Got to love people. Amen. And love them with the love of the Lord. (laughs) <laughs> that means you don't get to talk back <laughs> i can remember the times i was gonna say something smart to my husband my mouth wouldn't even open up i said lord have mercy you serious about this ain't you huh it was good for me you don't need to have so much to say all the time <laughs> hold your peace find out you don't wrestle against flesh and blood god ain't even into that amen so god wants us then to understand our position once you understand your position you don't have any fear anymore amen and stay in position you know fight to stay in that place with god where you know your authority you know you have faith for all of the the things that you need in life you don't have to keep begging God to give you the same thing over and over again. At some point, you, you need to, to know where, where everything is, you know, and, and, uh, I remember, I can't think who it was when I was a kid. It was, uh, it, I think it was an uncle. I don't think it was a dad because dads are smarter than this, but there was, uh, somebody, their uncle used to come over and visit little kids. And uh they said, Uncle, Uncle, you got so and so for me? And he said, Yeah, you know what pocket is in? And they go right now and it was, you know, nickel or something like that you give to little children. But but that's the way God sees us. You know what pocket is in. You know where your stuff is in God. And you can start thanking him for it and thanking him. You know, sometimes I'll say, God, I need some extra money this month. I say, I'm looking at this the ends looking a little short right here. You know, and before I know it, God's settled that thing. You know, he's just just expecting, believing, and thanking him for it. 
because he's already said he's going to provide for your every need and do exceeding abundantly beyond what you can ask or think. Sometimes we need to go to God first instead of trying to make our own way in things, you know, and and uh, I got to get a, a side hustle and all that. You know, you don't live like that. You don't you don't hustle. You leave. You use your faith. You got me. It's, this is what you need. If God sees where you you got to have that extra job or whatever you're looking for, he'll provide that to you. But don't you go for that before you check with him. You know, I mean, I wouldn't. <laughs> I mean, you know, but that's just me. What can I tell you? But I don't do anything unless I check with God first. You know, I, I used to, uh, I would say, oh, I need some extra money. I, I, everything I tried after I got saved, everything I tried, nothing, it all fizzled out. Just nothing. And the Lord told me one day, he said, you vowed that you would work for me. He said, I don't have no part-time help. Yeah. If I tried to do something, it could be like selling a bag of popcorn to somebody as hungry as people are sometimes. They, I'd never sell a bag. I'm telling you, as good as popcorn smells to some people, uh-uh. It just, he makes it fail every time. You got me? So a vow is a vow, folks. I mean, when you tell him, tell him you belong to him, he takes you up on that. You'll find out everything else you scheme to do is going to fail. All flat in your face. Nothing will ever work for you. Try some of them old tricks if you want to. You'll fall flat on your face. He'll see to it. And that's for your own good. Because he don't like schemers and he don't like planners. Amen. He likes people that come to him and worship him and honor him. Amen. He don't have no slick kids in his kingdom. You got me? Got honest people in here. So, so Isaiah in Isaiah was sent by God uh, to the nation of Israel and also to other kingdoms too, with messages for God. And and this is the thing about prophets being intercessors. Uh, before a prophet can even prophesy, he has to have a strong prayer life. And when I say a strong prayer life, I I mean, you got to wear around the spirit. You have to have some success with God in your prayer life. You have to know to use the word and and pray in tongues and how to get through um, in the realm of the spirit. You've got to know the ins and outs, the techniques, the tools that God has given you to use for the job he has given you to do. Our primary weapon is the word. Amen. We don't spend hours whining to God and telling him how bad things are. You go to him like he told Job. He said, get about that bed and demanding of me and let me demand of you. Amen. You mean Job could have been up. Yeah, he could have been up out that bed a long time ago. Amen. Because he had a covenant God with God. Healed people act healed. Amen. People who are prosperous in God, all God's children should act wealthy. You need to look like you got something. Amen. And so when, when you understand who you are, you'll start, your faith will start guiding you to do the right thing at all times. Amen. At all times. 
And so intercessors have to know their way around in the spirit. And the way you do that is through your prayer life. So prophets must have a word prayer life. I don't know. I don't know how some of these people call themselves prophets and always talking out of their head. You know, the reason they they give these weird prophecies is because they don't have any word in them to know what God would say. Because anybody can say he's getting ready to bless you. And you look and see all these people jump on it. I receive, I receive, I receive. Well, you could have got that out of your own, your own head. You don't need a word for somebody to tell you God blesses his people. Good grief. You should know that already. Why are you waiting on somebody to tell you so you can get excited about it? Oh, that's a confirmation. Oh, well, okay. So, you know, people play these games, but real prophets understand God, understand his word. They have an intimate knowledge of the word, and they have the word in their hearts. That's the biggest part of it is as an intercessor, you should have the word of God stored in your heart. Meditate. Understand it. Keep it on the tip of your tongue. When a problem comes up, what comes out of you is what you really believe and what you feed on. And what comes up out of you should be a response that God has put in your heart to give. And so Isaiah was a a, um, a long-time prophet. He prophesied uh, in so many different realms. And, and so when when God picked him, he picked a good one. When he said, who will go for us? Because Isaiah prophesied long. Many, many prophecies about the Messiah are attributed to him. Uh, there are many things that he was able to do and accomplish for God. He was somebody to read, somebody to study, and somebody to imitate. If you're going to imitate somebody, who had power with God. And and he he stayed truthful to God for the duration. He saw I think he saw several kings of Israel. Uh Uzziah was the first one. I know Hezekiah was one. Um and, and when you have that kind of longevity in God and to do the kind of work they have to do, you gotta go and tell people stuff God that they don't want to hear. You know, many times prophets will come into cities and people would run. They hit the, the gate of the city and everybody go run hide. Amen. Because they knew they wasn't doing right. And they think, oh, no, this could not be good news. Many of them uh, were killed because of their message. They were stoned to death many times. And, and many of them were killed with swords. So this ain't, when I tell you what we have now in Christ where we can Sit in the realm of the spirit. We've seated in heaven and all your words are powerful and effective because of where you're positioned. Amen. You know, you should you should want never to leave that place in God, that place of total peace with him where, you know, he trusts you. You know, he he's called you to a good calling, a heavenly calling, a high calling. And so intercessors or prophets must have a very powerful and effective prayer life. And it's in your prayer life that you build up this resistance and this immunity to the devil's wiles and his antics. This is where your discernment comes, where you know that the enemy, when you see him, you know a lie from the truth. 
you know uh the head you're the head and not the tail which means you're sitting high and looking low so when you have that vantage point you can see a whole lot more than somebody who's eyeball to eyeball and definitely more than somebody who's sitting low and looking up amen you don't ever want to be in that position you need to get if you're in that position get out of that as fast as you can because god has a better place for you where he wants us to be seated with him where we take on his anointing we take on his strength we take on his power we take on his protection we are insulated from the fiery darts of the wicked one where you're not afraid of the devil and you're not in the flesh when you know devils manifest you don't get in the flesh and get excited and get all wound up and everything no those people are not seated you got me they don't have the the slightest clue of what that means you know it's and people will say well we're all seated no you're not prove it to me you are you should have some proof i don't care whatever it is you say about yourself you should have evidence that that's true see we're seated by faith well you don't even have faith that you're seated you got me (laughs) and the problems come to you and you just as perplexed do you understand what i'm saying and and when you're seated with christ you're you he's whispering in your ear what to say it's telling you what to say it's telling you how to attack things giving you the word of knowledge the word of wisdom giving you prophecy telling you how to respond i remember years ago we were in a church and and um you know god started exposing stuff you know he, he God exposes things so you don't get caught stupid. You understand what I'm saying? It's not like, you know, you're you you're all smart and these people are all dumb. You know, it's it's that he's got to protect you and show you what's really going on. And you know, these people claim to be spirit-filled, you know, and I guess some of them spoke in tongues sometimes, but they weren't what you would call people who were committed to a spirit-filled life. They didn't treasure and value being seated in heavenly places and and wanting to wield authority they liked you know playing games and so god started showing me where the you know those people just weren't just you know religious people you know playing religious games and stuff like that and but that allowed me to be able to discern what was real and what was not real and so when you're a discerning person you tend to take on a different type of anointing that empowers you because you see and you know and you perceive and so people will pick that up and so the pastor had a habit of calling me up if it was somebody he was scared of you got me now this goes on all the time around spiritual people You'll see people that people like to call up when they have to pray for somebody. Sister so-and-so, come on up here and join us. What that means is I don't have nothing, and I know you do. So I don't look bad, and I don't look stupid. I get you up here in the mix. And when there's a bunch of people standing around, nobody knows who's doing what. You see what I'm saying? And religious people are slick. They watch they watch in the natural what we watch in the spirit you got me so they're picking up 
Who's got what? Who does this? Who does that? Amen. And so when God starts to give you discernment and open you up, he will also insulate you from the enemy's tactics. And many times the enemy would try to retaliate against me, but God would always counter that, would always show me, oh, you know, this does not going to happen today. You know, uh, people who who are religious tend to operate in gossip. They tend to operate in people running around the church, telling them on people and all this kind of stuff. They just everything's on a natural level. You got me. And so God started to to show me things and to uh, empower me to do intercession and to do prayer and to do all these things. And sometimes you may be in a very, very challenging place. But God will keep you there until you learn the enemy's wiles and understand their tactics and understand all of those things so that he can release you victorious over all of that so you got to overcome all of this stuff and i don't mean in the flesh you can't get out in the gutter and fight with them devils you got to stay seated with christ so i know for a fact you don't get seated by faith you can't just claim your seat now it's available to you but if you think it's going to come that name it and claim it cheap way, I got another thought for you. You're going to have to study to show yourself approved unto God. And you're going to have to love people that hate you. Am I telling you the truth, Miss Nola? <laughs> huh? Ask you to lead prayer and have a prayer ministry like they smarter than God. Trying to entrap you. And we stayed and we prayed and we were faithful. We did. We took a lot of persecution for what we did in that church. And then the day came where they locked the door. Couldn't put us out. Had to lock the door. You got me? Sneaky. And so when when we couldn't get in there anymore, that's when we knew we were released. And I went and sat home and moped, and God said, I didn't call you for you to sit down. Get up. Huh? He don't call sitters. He calls standers. You got me? But when I left there, I knew who I was in Christ. See, I knew the difference between these fake faith people. See, I'm seated. We're seated in heavenly places. We'll do something from your seating that shows me you wield God's authority and power. You're not seated nowhere and you're scared of the devil half the time. You're not seated anywhere and you're always talking about your haters and all this. Don't nobody hate you. People don't know you. You understand what? You don't talk gutter. That ain't the way Christians talk. That's the way street people talk. Don't nobody hate you around here but the devil, and he likes you right now because he got you thinking everybody else is your enemy. He got you down on his level right about now. I still say you're seated by virtue of the anointing because when the anointing comes upon you, that's, that's you know, all these people talking about, I'm a queen, I'm this, are you right? You know, and, and I'm royalty. But nobody ever talks about an anointing 
to wield power and authority over the enemy and all the works of darkness. And where's your queens now? We're a royal priesthood, but we don't operate apart from the king of glory. You're seated with him. You are in him. When you're in him, you can be seated in heavenly places. But I doubt many people are because you don't see people taking authority over the devil. They're asking God to do something about him. You know, and, and talking about him behind his back. Well, quit talking and talk to him. I double dog dare you. You got me? They choke back the words. You know, swallow real hard. Gulp. Amen. So let's let's get real here, folks. You know, you're you're seated by virtue of the anointing. That anointing has to be paid for. We paid for that anointing over in a religious church, getting talked about, backbidden, kicked around. Pastor Shirley was funny. She said, she said, girl, I'm Baptist. They ain't running me out of there. I'm going to just go sit on it. It was funny. She sit on it because she had been through all of it, you know. I thank God for that. Because, you know, she could understand what was being said about us when I wasn't there. You know, I told the Lord, I said, I'm not going to listen to that man carry on like that. I said, he's a nut. I said, he acts like a crazy person. Amen. But Pastor Shirley went, she said, girl, I'm Baptist. They don't chase Baptists out of nowhere. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? But but you make it through. And you understand, okay, God, if this is what it's about, and he said, this will be your biggest enemy forever, is the religious devil. He said, because they pretend to know me. They want to get to know you so they could use you, use your no secrets, you know, like like they can use them. You know, you can tell them anything God that God tells you. They wouldn't know how to put it to use. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> they go scratching your head. You understand what I'm saying? And so they live with devils. They live with trouble. They live with a lot of things that that, you know. Believers are are taught to live above, so you can't live in that atmosphere. If you love God, you can't live in a religious atmosphere. You won't grow there. You won't get strong there. There's nothing for you there. And so there was a season where God had us there, and He wanted us to introduce some things there that would be helpful for any congregation. Amen. But you can't do it if it's if they're confused and think you're the enemy. You can't do certain things. That's why I tell people, I say, you're baptizing the Holy Ghost in a dead church. Keep moving. You know, they always say, well, God God wants me to be there to show them. I said, no, honey, he don't work like that. You sitting on the pew, you don't show the pastor nothing. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not your job. He'll raise up another man or woman of God on his level to teach him. You got me? You should never be dependent on a sheep for your information. You're in bad shape then. Got me? And sheep, y'all don't tell pastors what to do. God didn't give you a prophecy for them or nothing else for them either. Got me? Just... 
behave yourself. Get in church. You're supposed to behave in church. Amen. But when you answer the call of God, the anointing is part of your spiritual equipment. The anointing grows with your knowledge. This is something people don't don't really understand because once you're anointed, you begin to understand that there are limitations to your power, what you're able to do, the things that you're able to accomplish in the realm of the spirit. And so the anointing will grow, it will change, it will uh, allow you to be able to do more and more things if you stay with the plan of God. Now, it is God's plan to for us to be able to do the greater works, like Jesus said. Everything Jesus prophesied about the church is for you. Amen? No limits. There's nobody who can tell you, oh, no, that's not for you. That's for so-and-so and such-and-such people. No, if God is, is touching your heart with it, it is for you. Amen? And so God wants to, he would love to to anoint us more. It's just that we have to make adjustments. We have to have the knowledge. We have to have understanding. And so that's why um, teaching is made available to people who are serious about prayer. If you're serious about intercession, there should be some some level of teaching that you submit to yourself to on a regular basis. You have to keep yourself fresh in the word. You have to keep yourself submitted to a fivefold authority. You have to, you have to do these things, folks. We're not just, this isn't make believe. This is God's reality. And we have to do things God's way. It's just no two ways about it. So God seeks intercessors that he will, so that he can show mercy and not destruction and judgment. Amen. So God comes first with mercy. That's what intercession is for always, is to bring mercy to people who or enlightenment to people uh, to make them aware that they can make a choice between darkness and light. Amen. And uh, and, and so it's it's sometimes a um, stretch for God to be able to find people who are willing to make the kind of commitment that he needs to have made. Because once you commit to intercession, you don't get your life back. Amen. Um, you just really don't. And you need to take God more seriously sometimes, I think, than we do. Because people kind of are too free to, you know, uh, you're around people who pray, but, you know, you haven't made a prayer partner and I don't know when and, then you don't have your phone on most of the time. All that kind of, that's not serious. See, you're just a churchgoer. You know, you're really not committed to the Lord. And so when, when you, and you don't have to get gray headed to commit. You committed, you committed, a, yeah, right, Miss Jan? We didn't have no wiggle room nowhere. I could jam and say, well, the Lord's been telling me so and so. I said, really? <laughs> he come knocking on my door with the same thing. You understand what I'm saying? And, and you shouldn't want to live a slack life with God. My goodness, it's, come on now. You don't pray that much. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, thank you, Lord. I, you know, when we need something, that's when we show up in the throne room. Amen. 
like Esther. You know, she's strutting around the the palace with her little clothes on and everything. And then when she got shown up sharp when she needed something, amen. She had her every days on other than that. But, you know, there will come a time. But see, we need God all the time. The reason he gave us the Holy Spirit is so that we can stay in constant contact with him. Constant contact. Amen. Uh, he lives in us uh, because he wants somebody to take him around. He wants to visit your neighbors. You know, he wants to he wants to talk to them people in the grocery store. He wants to bless them. He wants to give somebody a prayer cloth. Amen. Because they're sick. Amen. So you need to carry that stuff on you all the time. Amen. And and understand what it's for. You know, some people just look at people doing stuff and think they understand it. You gotta get with God on things. God help me to understand how this healing thing works. Because I want to be able to explain to people, you know, what to do and what to expect you to do. Amen? And and help me develop my faith for this. People can tell if you're confident and if you're not. You know, if you keep repeating what you hear other people say and there's no faith on there, you know, people look at you and won't well, thank you, you know, keep going. They don't put much confidence in you. And so I'm just telling you folks, sinners out there know the difference. <laughs> they know the real from the fake. So, so God, we are God's instruments of mercy all the time. All the time. Instruments of mercy. He wants to bring righteousness and right living to humanity so he can bless us. He wants to give us a chance to do his will. So that's what the intercessor is here for. Prophets are for mercy and for judgment. Intercessors more for mercy. I would say very little judgment for intercessors because that that requires that you have a different type of relationship with God. You 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 really need to have a fivefold gift in order to be able to execute either blessing either way. You got me. Um, the reason um, he he gears intercessors toward mercy is because there's a, a mercy blessing in it for us so that we begin to grow in our understanding of mercy because he needs people to understand that. You know what I'm saying? He just needs people to you know, like somebody that that's sick. You don't start questioning them about. Do they eat right? And do they? You understand what I'm saying? I mean, what business is it of yours? You either know God or you don't. God either wants to help them or he doesn't. You know, that kind of thing. You know, there are people that you might know personally where you could give them a little advice, but I don't go there. You know, I mean, just just let people, let God begin to deal with people. Certain things are just not for everybody to be dealing with people on. You understand what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, there's a secret place where God is dealing with people on things and he'll help them to take care of things that are real issues. But, but mostly we are, we are ministers of God's mercy. Amen. You, when you pray, you're, you're, if you're going to make a, a mistake in praying, make your error on the side of mercy. 
and not a judgment cutting people off. You understand what I'm saying? Now, in mercy, sometimes there's some kind of warning that, that God is showing in people. You understand what I'm saying? When he gives you a mercy word for some some people, sometimes there's a requirement there. And so, you you know, people understand, you know, I, I got to believe God to get this. You know, mercy is that he wants you to have it and he has it for you. But the warning is that you got to believe him. Amen. And and whatever it takes to believe him, that's what you do. But it says here in James chapter five about Elijah. In 16, he says. It really, this is talking about the prayer of faith, so we probably should do that. He says in verse 13, is anybody afflicted, let him pray. That means you pray for yourself. If you've got a pain in your body, God, you know, don't, don't walk around in pain for a week until you get to church, and then that you got to attack it at the altar. Now, there are some things that are bigger than you, and we'll talk about that. He says, but if you're afflicted, pray. Never know. God might heal you instantly if you take a stab at it. It says, is anybody merry? Let him sing psalms. Now, praying for yourself in affliction is just as, as common as when you feel good, sing a song. We don't have to force you to sing a song when you feel good. So we shouldn't have to force you to pray for yourself if you're not feeling good. Don't take authority over that pain. Amen. Thank God for healing you. Go get you a scripture. Go get in the word. This is what we do when when we need God's help on a regular basis. And he says, is any sick among you? Now, this is, this is what this means. It's, a, it's beyond affliction. So if it started out as an affliction, it didn't get better. And it's still lingering. That's what the Bible calls sick even though we know we're healed, right? He says, if it gets beyond what you can handle, you're to call for the elders of the church. Say you've been to the doctor, they give you a diagnosis. Or you, you, they have to put a, a, a cast on your leg. Or you got a sprain that's painful and swollen. And it's not going anywhere. You call for the elders of the church. Those things are beyond us. Because if you look down there, if you're in pain every five minutes, you look down your ankle swollen, that's kind of beyond you. It's like, I don't even know how to deal with this one. You understand? So so you call for the, and that does not mean that if you can't get prayer, don't don't think it's wrong to get prayer church. You understand what I'm saying? You can get prayer anytime. But this is what what the the Bible really prescribes for believers. There is a level of of discomfort, affliction, situations that you can handle with your own faith. And this is really how your faith is developed. You start out and in, in, in you begin to, it's like everybody, who the minute you get hurt, what do you do? Most people touch what it is. Well, that's, duh, you're laying hands on yourself. See, that's the most natural thing in the world to do. And and what that is is God telling you there's something about that motion 
that is so common that he will start to empower it. Amen. If you let him work with you. I always encourage parents, you know, your children are accustomed to coming to you for comfort. Amen. When they're not feeling good, they come up, say, oh, mommy, I don't feel good. And you pick them up and rub them. Quit rubbing them. Start getting the oil out. And when you put your hands on them, anoint them. Because that rub is only going to make it stay. Because trust me, little Pete loves the attention. And pretty soon you ain't going to be able to get rid of Little Pete going to be sick every five minutes if you let him. Amen. And so this is what we have to start getting accustomed to doing is allowing the anointing now to take over allowing the spirit of God to begin to instruct you how to use the spirit to get rid of these things. Amen. Comfort only goes so far. You need healing to return to them to you. And so this is how God teaches us. And he says, let the, then call for the elders of the church and let them pray over you. Anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord in the prayer of faith, not the oil, but use the oil. The oil sets you apart. It's like this. Follow instructions. Don't leave anything out. If you don't have oil, pray, pray the prayer of faith anyway. It's, it says here the prayer of faith saves them, not the oil. But anointing them with oil is a, a sacrament that God left for the church to obey, to set people apart for their healing. So really, you anoint them to set them apart so that God can work on them, and then the prayer of faith must be followed through on so that they can receive their healing. So however faith leads you to pray, be healed in Jesus' name. Pain, leave. Devil, let him go. Infirmity, let him go. I curse you. Tumor shrink, shrivel up and die. Whatever it is that is ailing that person, you let God give you the words to pray. And the prayer of faith saves that person. And God raises them up. What that means is that you don't have to keep praying for people for the same thing over and over again. When people leave that place of prayer, they should be thanking God that it is done. And they will recover. Amen. What people need to do is give it time, and it's up to you to stay in faith on that thing so that God can complete the job. He says here, too, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. Repentance, confession, getting sin off your soul is a major way to get your healing. If you if you've got sin on your soul, your faith don't work. Nothing works. Nothing spiritual, nothing righteous. The effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. It says here, Elijah, as an example, was was subject to light passions as we are. In other words, he was not perfect. Elijah would get upset. Elijah ran from Jezebel. Elijah would get tired of the people, God's people the heathens he got sick of people just like passions just like you and me he wasn't anybody that was extra special in other words he was just called of god taught of god and anointed of god but he still lived in a flesh 
flesh body. In fact, Elijah prayed to die right after he had defeated the prophets of Baal and killed them all. And Jezebel told him, sent a messenger, said she was going to kill him. It wasn't even her threatening somebody with a message. You got me? That could have came from anybody. But he he begged God to let him die. He says, am, am I not better than my fathers? And God said, well, you know, before I'd let you do that, you got to get somebody. I got to get your replacement. You know, after that, cool. But God set a chariot for him. He went out in style. But he did not live much longer after the people say, well, how long was Elijah with Elijah? I think it might have been like two to three years, three years tops. Elisha was a fast learner. You got me? He saw a lot of stuff. You know, it's good when you, you, you learn, learn how to pick up the good and leave the things that you want. Every, every generation needs to grow beyond the former generation. And so it happened with, with Moses and Joshua. Joshua watched a lot of stuff. He said, mm, let me make a note of this. <laughs> note to self. <laughs> Do not throw tablets on ground, you know, that kind of stuff. And he watched Moses let people irritate him to the point that it grieved God. It hurt his relationship with God. And Joshua made up his mind. When he sent spies, what did he do? He said, I ain't sent a 12 nobody. That's why we got in trouble. Two people can agree and we can get this job done. That's what he did. He sent two spies. You got me? He learned. He learned the right way to do things and how to stay out of not that what Moses did was was an error. It just did not work. Amen. He was trying to be respectful. Every tribe had a leader and he said, I'm gonna let you all go over there and see your land. Come back, give me a report. He had no idea what was gonna happen between seeing it and coming back there. You got me? And so Joshua learned these things. That's why he did it the way he did it. And he followed God's directions exactly. This is what God reiterated. He said, don't let the word depart from you. Don't go off and do something other than the word. He was warned already. What did he do? He let the Gibeonites come in there and fool him. He never asked God if he should make friends with the Gibeonites. And they got them in more trouble in unnecessary wars. You got me defending them because they tricked them into a covenant. And God's a man of his word. <laughs> he keeps covenant. I don't care if them, you just like Lot. Abraham drug, dragged Lot around and God had to take care of Lot too. He's got to take care of our stuff. And so, you know, it, he, he's, he's a, a good God. He's a merciful God. And he wants his intercessors to always pray mercy. You don't get to curse nobody. You don't get to tell God to kill nobody. You just, I don't care how much you read that in the Psalms. These were people that didn't, your only recourse for enemies back in the old covenant was that they die. God wants us to bless our enemies. Amen. Pray for them who despitefully use us. Amen. And treat us bad. And so once you do that, you've done the will of God. But it says here, that Elijah was just like you and me. This is what lets intercessors know that they can receive forgiveness too. That you stand in the mercy line just like the people that you're praying for. 
He was subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it didn't rain for three years, and he prayed again, and the rain came. So Elijah, and this is the difference between the prophet, and I would say, and the lay intercessor. The prophet can stand, see, judgment caused the rain to stop, and he prayed sincerely for no rain. How many people do that? You know, you think, to yourself, God, you couldn't mean that because I ain't going to have nothing to drink. <laughs> Take care of me. You have to have confidence in God. You have to pray earnestly with confidence in God. He put himself in God's place, and he was able to pray for the drought, and then he was able to pray at God's urging for the drought to end, not when he got thirsty. You got me? And so this is the difference. Uh, prophets tend to, to obey God to their own hurt. They can put up with a lot of discomfort. Do you understand what I'm saying? We may act like we can't put up with crap sometimes, but, you know, it's, come on, God, you tell me when to move. You understand what I'm saying? You don't move until God moves. And you have to learn how to live like that. You know, you can't just get mad at people and go tell them off and flip off and all that kind of stuff. Amen. You might do it sometimes, but you don't that you don't do it intentionally. You know, that's and see, that's the devil's thing. He likes to keep people off guard, take you by surprise so that he can do something you never would expect to have to deal with. Now you caught here. You got to deal with it. Amen. And so you repent. You repent like everybody else does. You know, you do what you need to do. But you stay right with God. And he said he prayed earnestly and and rain came again. That's not a normal intercessor's assignment. As an intercessor, you pray mercy all the time. You know, you look at people and say, God, I could really strangle that kid of mine. But, you know, (laughs) you bless him. (laughs) You know, I don't even know what to pray now, God. Well, let me pray in tongues for about a half hour. I'll make it two, make it two hours. You understand what I'm saying? And and just you know, you do what you have to do. But but you see, when you make an error, you do it on the side of mercy, amen. But always praying for the will of God. And this is the thing where I try to encourage parents: pray for your kids to do well, but don't put their material success above their moral success. You got to keep that in the right because they won't keep the material if they're too caught up in in money and stuff it'll surprise you how much money sometimes people make and how broke they are because they're not giving to god they're not in church they're not doing exactly all the things so you want to pray those things or god grab that kid a man get a hold of their heart more than anything i want them to serve you you know, forget about all this stuff they're going to leave here. They they want to, you want to have their souls in heaven when they leave here. And this is really what, what we do as believers. So mercy is good and, and prosperity is good, but they prosper and are in health as their souls prosper. So you want them to be right with God and to love God. That's the best. That's the most peaceful life. Your children, great will be their peace. They're taught of the Lord. Great will be their peace if they continue with God. And love God. And and this is what you want. You want them to love the Lord uh, with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Their neighbor is themselves. 
and and live an upright life before God. So we're going to pray uh, the seed of the righteous, and we're going to pray for our uh, prosperity instructions, I believe. Because the enemy likes to make you blue around Christmas over money. You know what I'm saying? It's like, devil, please. I'm going to show you I can have everything I want with not a penny. And I ain't charging nothing either. Amen. (laughs) So, Father, we thank you for your blood, your precious blood. It cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Father, we ask you to forgive our sins. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We want to be heard. We want these prayers to be answered. And we know that the prayers of the righteous avail much. Just like Elijah prayed. He prayed one way and then he prayed another. We pray mercy and we pray blessing. But Lord, we pray a high moral standard for ourselves, for our loved ones, for our children, our offspring, for all of your people, Father, that they would love you with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength neighbors themselves and father we thank you that your children are not for sale and the seed of the righteous shall be delivered not big bread they'll hate sin and the devil and have your covenant established in their lives they'll inherit everything that we have in god and increase in your glory in fact they'll know more about you than i do they'll increase exceeding and of the kingdom of god there shall be no end Let them possess the gates of those that hate them and choose life that they may live, that they will fear and glorify you, Lord. They'll be blessed, be fruitful, increase abundantly, be multiplied, and wax exceedingly mighty. They'll inherit the earth and be established forever. They'll be mighty upon the earth, be delivered, though hand joined in hand. They'll have the Holy Spirit poured out on them. They will have the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And our sons and our daughters will prophesy. They'll have the word of God continually in their mouths. And we thank you that their glory will be greater than that of my glory. They'll be taught of the Lord. Great shall be their peace and their righteousness. They'll be trained in the ways of the Lord where their old won't depart from it. They are your inheritance, Lord. Let them be filled with wisdom and have favor with God and with man. And honor father and mother that their days may be long on the earth and it will be well with them. We thank you, Lord, for our prosperity, and we thank you that we will not let your word depart out of our mouths, that we will meditate on it day and night, that we may observe and do all that's written in it. Then we'll have our way prosperous and have good success, that they will prosper and be in health as their souls prosper, that they will enlarge the border of their tents, strengthen our cords, and spare not, and expect prosperity. Let us expand our vision of goodness and that we would get your power to get wealth, and that we would sow seed and believe for a return, that we have faith that we inherit the blessings of Abraham, who you made very rich and no sorrow was added to him, that we inherit the wealth of the sinner which is laid up for the righteous. And thank you, Lord, that when we tithe, you pour out the windows of heaven, open the windows of heaven, pour us out a blessing. We don't have room to receive it. And, Father, we thank for more than tithing. Thank you for the faith to give more than a tenth in Jesus, on a consistent basis in Jesus' name. That when we give, it will be given to us good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Men will give it to our bosom. In the measure that we give, it's given to us in full measure. 
that we obey you and serve you and spend our days of prosperity and our years of pleasures that we give that you have prospered us. We prosper in all we set our hands to as Joseph did, that we believe as prophets and prosper. We believe the God of heaven will prosper us and that we will repent and confess our sins and prosper. That we love your holy city, Jerusalem. We pray for its peace and therefore we prosper. That we are like trees planted by rivers of living water. We walk in holiness, not take the counsel of the ungodly, nor sit in the seat of the scornful, and then whatsoever we do shall prosper, and that we will set forth your word and see it prosper in the thing whereunto we send it. So, Father, we thank you that prosperity comes with righteousness, it comes with your word, it comes with obedience to your word. And we thank you, Father, that all good things come to us because we obey your word and we prosper in the things that you give us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen again. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Okay, we'll do our declaration. I don't have Rona. She don't have me. I can't get Rona. She can't get me. I don't have, and then you name whatever else you're fighting It don't have me and it can't get me. And I thank you, Jesus, by your stripes, I am healed. Amen. It is so decreed. Amen and amen again. Praise God.